Behind every great artist, there's a great band who helped take the music from the studio to the stage. In each episode, I talk with some of the most accomplished and sought after musicians in the world, delving into the details of their backgrounds, their stories, and their journeys. Doing away with the fiction and getting into the facts. It's not about the hype. It's not about the product. It's about the players. And we're back in part one of this two-part episode. We caught up with Kaz Rodriguez and we spoke a lot about his solo work and projects he's been involved with. In part two, we cover a little bit more about his background and his work as a solo musician. Hope you enjoy. Here's part two. Kaz and I, or La Casa Nostra and I, are back at it. Yes, <laughs> um, picking up where we left off um, in that last episode, which was epic, man. It was great to kind of talk about some of those things. But I wanted to um, talk to you just a little bit primarily about your work as a session musician and um, and just as a player for other people as opposed to as a composer. So um, tell me a little bit about your musical background, you know, because I obviously know you from turning up at that audition or those auditions, but I actually don't know too much about what you were doing before then. Like, you know, how did yeah. you learn? Who was teaching you? You know, what yeah. were you listening to? All of that. So, yeah, man. I mean, I started, you know, this whole music thing when I was about three or, three or four because I was just obsessed with Michael Jackson's, like, records because they mm-hmm. – and maybe it's just a – the snare sounds that just woke me up. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm awake. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, and I, and I was really obsessed with classical music when I was a kid. And I, it was, it was no, uh-huh. it was weird. Like it wasn't, it wasn't in any way like, like one of those things where you go, oh yeah, that, you know, this kid might like hip hop or mm-hmm. and all that. I just like loved classical music because of where it was it's always different. Like mm-hmm. it wasn't to click. It was just yeah, like yeah. The, the shit was moving, you know? Mm-hmm. And, 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 um, I used to listen to that and I, and then I really got into the kind of rock thing when mm-hmm. I was, when I was about 10, or mm-hmm. 10 or 11. And I, I haven't, I've never had a teacher ever. Really? Just, yeah. I've never had a teacher. I've, I'm actually self-taught as a drummer. Mm-hmm. And I never had like systems by, I've had a mentor mm-hmm. and, uh, I still, he's still here with us and he's a phenomenal fucking guy, but he, he was kind of like the Mr. Miyagi of, 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 of me being Mr. Danielson. Right, right, right. So, yeah. So I was in school and I, a lot of the people were like, yeah, this, this guy can play drums, but you know, it, I, I couldn't afford drum lessons. So right. I, I, I just wanted to learn, but I could naturally play the drum kit because I was like, yeah, it's just coordination. But some people say you either have it or you don't. Yeah. 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 And so I tried, I tried it and I, I, I learned like rock a lot because I was into the fucking like, you know, muse, mm-hmm, <laughs> muse mm-hmm. and, 
there was a, a point where I was into Slipknot. <laughs> right, 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 right. Who isn't? I mean, this shows are fucking crazy, man. I mean, yeah, yeah. of course, of course. I mean, but I, I think that 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 type of music is very. I think when you're young, it's yeah. very dynamic. It's very. You know, it's very attractive. Like I mean, when I was yeah. a kid, I used to love Kiss. You know what I mean? So it's yeah, like, man. It's the, like shit like that jumps out at you when you're a kid. I think, um, yeah. as well it's as classic. all the other stuff that you listen to. Exactly. But yeah, how did you? What age were you when you picked up sticks then and really started thinking? Oh, let me try and play some drums. Yeah, I think I think essentially when I was like eleven, mm-hmm. I started to when I started stepping into uh, to high school, mm-hmm. I started to like. I was like, shit, there's some drumsticks here. I could, <laughs> and I used to like ask if I could borrow them. There were some shit drumsticks. They were like, but they, but they were, they were just like, you know, s- s- pro percussion sticks or something. And mm-hmm. I was just like, yeah, can I, you know, borrow these? I would love to like practice them at home. And she was like, um, yeah, sure. So I'll practice in the pillows. Mm-hmm. And then um, I think that's when I decided I really wanted to do this as a career. And then my mum and dad, they were just like, you know, you can't do this as a career because <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a kind of the typical, yeah, uh, no. You don't <laughs> like, um, and I, I was just so anti that man. I was a rebellious kid. Like, you know, right, I, I right. just, I felt like I wrote, watched this thing on, on, on when 56 K dial up connection was still hot. Then, you know, uh-huh. if all the people out there, who think they they complain about internet connections? Trust me. <laughs> oh my that god! Dial yeah. up, dial up, dial up. Like, like yeah. shit, man. Like, <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, in three minutes, I'm about to be online. Wait. <laughs> oh yeah, hold your yeah, three minutes, and then for a sixty second clip. Yeah, you know, exactly. So I used to, and I watched this thing with Simon Phillips saying. If you want this to be your life, your career, mm-hmm. it has to be your life and your career. You have to make sacrifices. And he and and he was even saying, like, you know, don't work other jobs other mm-hmm. than being in the music business. So the only option I had was busking. Oh wow, okay. So so this is the other part of when I started. I started busking. So at at that late age of eleven. I gained the trust of my my teacher because she was like, oh, he can play and blah, blah, blah. He's so good and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, probably for an 11-year-old, it was probably playing just like normal stuff. And and, yeah. and, she, and she was just like, I asked her, I said, you know, like Miss Miss Carr, her name was Miss Carr Ruby. And I was like, hey, hey, Miss Carr, can I, can I borrow um, your floor tom and your snare drum? Mm-hmm. And she was like, um... I'm not sure about that. And I said, and I explained to her, I said, listen, I, I, I want to make this as a career and I want to save money. At 11, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at 11. Yeah, this is crazy. Like, yeah. I felt like I was 25 years, or 40 <laughs> years old at that age. Right. You know, I was dressed in a fucking suit or some shit. But, right. um, but she, she actually saw that I was so passionate for it. So she let me borrow it every weekend. Mm-hmm. And I actually used to use my pocket money that my dad gave me. He gave me a pound every single, uh, like three days because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. my dad was doing every dad or mom does it. They'll give you the, the, the money test, the pocket money test to see if this guy is a saver 
or a spaniel. <laughs> right, so, right. Yeah. So while my brothers were like lashing out on 50p pick and mix bags, I was, uh, <laughs> I was like putting it in my pocket or like saving it in a little bag. And then I used to use that for a travel card. At mm-hmm. the time when travel cards were so cheap that you, could, you know, yeah, 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 I got into central London with a big black bag, mm-hmm. put a floor tom in it. It was like triple, like triple covered, like triple bagged with a floor tom and a snare drum with a snare stand. And I used to walk to Waterloo and Old Street. And uh, like I used to take the train to Waterloo. Then from Waterloo, I took a train to Old Street. And then um, from the Northern line and I ended up busking outside and I, wow. and, <laughs> and right near the f- fire station where there was the fire station there. And I think there's like another place where I, I also uh, was busking near Spitfields and um, illegally because I, I was an 11 year old kid. The woman and I, playing like the little drummer boy or some shit. Like, what the yeah, fuck man, I was, I, was, I, was, I was trying, bro. And I was, I was actually, I was playing like rudiments and stuff because at the time I watched that film called Drumline. Okay, yeah, yeah, with yeah, Nick yeah. Cannon in it. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and I saw him do that drumline thing, and I used to just like imitate that thing, but like actually play it and not fucking mime it like Nick. But like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but the thing is. I, I started playing that and then the floor tom I used as a bass drum and all I really wanted to do was just earn some money to have my own drum kit. Right, right, so, right. And it turned out that first day I made like seven pounds or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and I learned that that could actually work. So what I did is that, and I and I kept on telling my mom and dad I was staying around my friend's house, <laughs> like just, just to hang, just hanging around my friends and having dinner with them and I'll be back in the night. And, uh, my mom, because you know, we would like go out, we'd be boys, play like football and stuff. And I would never do that. I would just go on into central London and straight up hustle. Wow. And then, uh, so I did that every week. And then I did it up until the age of like 15 or 16. And I had like stashes of cash. Like it, that, that helped me buy my first ever drum kit. Yo, that you is know? actually fucking amazing. So wait a second. So you're telling me. You was as a teenager, essentially rolling into central London with a fucking snare drum and a tom, playing in the street, getting cheddar so that you could buy yourself a drum kit. Yeah, man. That was it. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's time to put those claps in again. I think the MPC clap. Yeah, MPC. MPC. That sounds so real, Kojo. <laughs> that's a real time sample shit. That's a native instrument plugin. Yo, no, that's that's amazing. But again, I mean, the interesting thing to me is that like. That's the same energy that makes you fucking decide to make your own record. You know what I mean? When you yeah. have 60 pounds, sometimes you have to you have to make your own lane and you have to write your own ticket. And that's a mm. perfect example of that. But the fact that you were doing that at that age shows that that was just something in you. That's just a part of who you are. Um, so, wow, that, that's amazing. So, so, God, so when you get mm. to drum kit, like... Who do you? Who are you listening to? What are your influences? What are you trying to play? Who are you trying to be on that instrument? So, you know, Simon Phillips, Jonathan Moffat. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we got to that point where I started listening more into Aaron, Aaron mm-hmm. Spears, and it's crazy. But when I, but when I, when I got into like that kind of fusion world, I, it opened up mm-hmm. a different way of playing. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, during that time, between the age of eleven and fifteen, sixteen. 
the school decided to give uh, give me a scholarship to go to a place in Waterloo, which was amazing mm-hmm. for me because I was busking there anyway. And there was a place called Morley right. College, um, mm-hmm. where it was a place called uh, CYM, Center for Young Musicians. So I they know always CYM. Got, I know yeah. CYM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, so that's where I went. Wow. Okay. So they're on, on a Saturday morning. Yeah, boy. Sacrifice wow. my Saturdays, bro. Yeah, and, I, I I never went to that myself, but I know a lot of kids that yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's, yeah. it was a crazy thing because it, it you see there like you see these kids that are like all in their track keys, and I was one of them. I was like in my tracksuit bottom, like I just came from this place. You know, I, I'm I'm from uh, Northolt, which was mm-hmm. like kind of like not really. It's not like posh. It's kind yeah, of like yeah. you know that you walk out. There's about you're you're most likely gonna get your bike stolen <laughs> you know? um or, or something stolen like oh i like that t-shirt that you're wearing yeah but you don't want to wear it right? <laughs> you know but the, the but the thing is that's that allowed me to go in there and there were so many people like that that were there and learning it was a mix of people they were like learning how to read and mm-hmm. do percussion ensemble you know like shaka actually uh shaka like shaka shaka Mm-hmm. you know the singer shaka um mm-hmm. the um the guy mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah i know shaka yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so we we both were in the same uh group in cym okay. we both went okay. to cym right we right. we we used to just just hang there and just do and he even he was a a, a victim of that we got scholarship from our school to be there and and right. learn some stuff and Yusuf Days was another guy as well, you know. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He, he was another guy and he knew that I went there and we all like, you know, we're all family and it's, we still are. Like, we'll catch up whenever we can. And and this it's the kind of thing that we got open to, like jazz and right, classical. Right, How right. to play that, play, right. how to play freeform, how to read. And I can't read music, but mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of sussed things out. I used to be like the, the cheat guy where they used to memorize it like fucking 10 minute piece <laughs> just like right, play right, right, right. but it was good because you learn a different way but then i start you know now i'm starting to learn how to read a little and, and it's good and you know that that was the influence then and then i started listening to that fusion thing where i heard other drummers you know there was two drummers there at in my year where we used to like three of us used to compete all the time it was like so I don't even you know. It was like Rocky Balboa style. It was like mm-hmm. shit. It's like what you got. I'm the greatest drummer. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm the greatest. And it's like no. But then it got to the point where my mentor is where I met him there, and his name mm-hmm. was Mark Bryant, and he literally used to mm-hmm. call me punk because I used to like always be rebellious. He's always like right. He goes, don't, he goes and he used to like swear. He used to be like, don't fucking play like this you thought it was right, like whiplash bro like it was whiplash like right, right. right. <laughs> like how to like oh, shit so, and he got he goes you come here like i would never have drum lessons again i wasn't signed on for drum lessons i was signed on for snare drum and classical right. snare drum and i fucking mm-hmm. hated it but like actually shout out to cym because they got my my snare drum chops on point for that right. after, but but they right. but mark actually saw me and he went uh, he went, you punk, come here now. And I used to sit there and I was like, yeah, what? Like, what? <laughs> he just like said, don't fucking what me. If 
you want to play drums, you want to play it properly. I've heard you play around some around this this hall. You got to play mm-hmm. a bit proper. I can see something mm-hmm. in you, but you're just being shit with this. And I'm like, right, all right, right. right. So then I learned um, how to play these styles. And then what he did one week, he said to me, "If you come back and bring a sandwich to me with me uh, for me, I'll mm-hmm. give you some change. I'll, and if you bring back a sandwich." Mm-hmm. I will give you a lesson for five minutes. And I valued that. But <laughs> right, every time right. he used, I used to do that, I used to come back and he used to give me a, he gave me this marching band sticks, like the drum core sticks. which mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, And he told me to play the drum kit with those sticks. Right, right, and, he, right, and he was like, wow. he's like, he goes, Tell, is it hard to play? He goes, yeah. Well, that means you don't have it yet. And, and I was like, whoa, shit. And it made me think that I, all I was doing is just playing one dimensional, which was just loud, loud and proud. And I was listening to so mm-hmm. many, like the, the, the church drummers back in the day. And that was, that was a hype mm-hmm. thing. And I realized it wasn't the thing. And then I started listening to jazz. And then I started to understand how to play jazz and loosely and softly and relaxed. And right, it, right. That's, that's where I started to realize at that age, at 16, that... I could understand dynamics and as I got older up until the point I got into the age of 19, I started to really mold what I was being taught by voice, not by Mm -hmm. physically going on the drums. He was like, you're doing this, you're doing that wrong. You're doing this wrong. Try to be this, be, be calm. Stop being this adrenaline rush, like kid, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just be, just be calm. And it's, mm-hmm. and 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 actually that helped me. He was trying to help me be better in life, to mm-hmm. be a better drummer, and mm-hmm. and actually it changed my life so much by being more humble. And right, right. You know, every kid goes through a phase where when you're young, you just you lose your shit. You just go crazy. You know, you're like, yeah, I just want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. But I never stopped wanting to be a drummer in my career. Like I never, I wasn't that kind of guy that would email people and say, Oh man, do you have a job for me? Do you have a job for me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think I'm, I, I'm ready for this. And you know, I'm, I was never that guy. I just wanted to, to play and someone to say, yeah, that's the guy. Like how you found me through Chris Banks. Yeah. You know? I was just going to get on to that. So I guess, I guess yeah. that you, so you were, so you get into this world at CYM where yeah. you are learning about music, you're around other musicians um, I guess you're getting exposed to more music. You're getting into fusion. You're getting into jazz, and you're progressing. Um, mm. And then you then went to a music college. Yeah, I went to right. Westminster University. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I believe was Chris Banks was teaching there. Is that is that is that where you met Chris? Yeah, that's where I met Chris. He was my he was my music business teacher, which I fucking hated business like so right. much. Right, right, right. <laughs> but so, he was dope. He was dope. yeah. Yeah, well, so so Chris, so I, well, obviously, just to share, I know how this kind of happened, but so Chris Banks was a keyboard player who, um, who also he, um, when my when my son was being born, he mm. depped for me on Sugar Babes, and that's how yeah. we met. And he came in and depped a few gigs, and we became friends, and um, we still try and keep in touch. So we were before lockdown, we were going to try and get together, but you know how that goes. <laughs> and, um, and um he um he just i remember him telling me oh there's this 
there's this drummer named Kaz you should check out. You should really you should get him down to an audition or something. Um, and that's kind of how that went. So, you know, obviously that kind of brought you into the kind of session world. But mm. with regards to how were you developing at uni and how were you kind of um, building relationships at that point in time? Um, it, it was definitely the birth of building relationships with a lot of people there. Mm -hmm. And it was actually mostly the, the lecturers because mm -hmm. they are, they were or are still in the industry. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, Chris would always see me in a room like mm -hmm. every day, mm -hmm. even my lunch breaks or whenever it was, I'd be in a practice room and just play. Mm -hmm. And, and it was because I wanted to grow. And actually mm -hmm. I started listening to so many, I think what he found interesting was that I was playing to like, like pop records and mm -hmm. doing my thing over it. Right, and right, right. He was like, oh, you know, have you ever considered doing this, like, that pop stuff? And he goes, oh, I've got to connect you to some guy mm -hmm. uh, that I know is a really good friend and he does, does Sugar Babes and it was like Kojo. And that's where I, that's, I was like, oh, I'd love to. I'd be open to that. Thank you for the opportunity. And then you left me a voicemail because I think at that time I was, I was a student. I was lazy. I was always sleeping till late. And, <laughs> but you know and I remember, what? yeah. Yeah, but you know, I, I guess that, again, it's like I think that particularly if you're studying music or you're learning or you're in an educational environment, I think it's really important for people to understand that, you know, you're always building relationships. You're always yeah. like who you are and how you are as a person and the way you approach your practicing and the way yeah. you approach your music. Everybody is checking it out. And they could be your peers, they could be other musicians, or they could mm -hmm. be your teachers. And you never know who's going to recommend you for something. Um, Absolutely. I say this over and over again. We are in very much a word of mouth business. So Absolutely. you have to make sure that you are leaving positive impressions on yeah. everybody or as many people as you can who you come into contact with because you never know who's going to recommend you and for what. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, and that's how that's how you you know you've you called me numerous times and and some being auditions and some just going straight to the gig mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. and that's that's come from a relationship and 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 being you know being friends like being mates like because at the start it was kind kind of important to know who I was rather than knowing you know for 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 each other to know who each who we are like you know i wanted to know more about your world and you wanted to know about where you know you just came out of nowhere mm, where, mm, mm. and it was so nice to actually like meet you being in the the industry and i was not in that session world mm, mm. and actually doing pop and i you know I, I i learned so much from that and to the point where you know it, in the progressive years that you trusted me into doing this my first I would say like my first like touring session uh for being a session musician for for jesse Ware. yeah <clears throat> and that that stemmed from just like a phone call just like you know hey kaz I, i'll give you you know hey do you do you fancy doing this gig it's you know they've they've got a, a I think two years of tour dates or something. Mm, mm. And then, and I just went, Oh really? And I, and I said, Oh, so when's the audition? You're like, Oh no, you're just going to give you the gig. Yeah, and yeah. I was, 
I was, I was so used to that because I always, whenever you gave me a call, I always used to be, yeah, it was always an audition. I was like, oh, here's another audition. But, <laughs> but I remember, you know what? But I remember like, so I think just, just to kind of explain that to people, I think that there mm. were a few auditions that, um, that you'd come to and as well as yeah. that there was also um i think we did jay sean i think we did a few yeah. jay sean shows maybe yeah well, i can't remember yeah. if they happened, but there were a few bits and pieces but um i want to actually but the, but the first or the main gig that we did was jesse ware and she was on her second album campaign um yeah it was actually a really good campaign for her i think all around and um yeah i think she that was the year she got nominated for a brit um i believe um, for that album, it was a great album. Um, but I wanted to talk to you a lot about that gig in general because I think that, like, obviously there's other little bits and pieces, but I think that it's really about like doing a few key things rather than doing a million things. I think as oh, a musician, yeah. I think sometimes people get that mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, it's better to do a few really good things as opposed to doing 75 average ones. So, yeah. um, coming into working with Jesse Ware, um, and obviously, I would say having a bit of a fusion background or kind of a bit more of a different upbringing to your playing. And how did you find ad- ad- adjusting to playing um, this sort of like, I would say, pop soul type of gig um, and working with different musicians and, you know, working in MD and all that? How did you find you yeah. had to adjust your playing to fit into that? It was it was it was great. I mean, in a way, it was felt quite natural because you know I, the, the people that I was working with was you know there were there's always adapting and sometimes people in the band can and cannot adjust to the change of a musician that comes in who's possibly new into the band mm-hmm. and I, I just you know I, I always felt like you know what you taught me was just, you know making sure like put your head down and just make sure you do the work and I did that I, mm-hmm. I just we had that kind of bounce back, um, you know, relationship where we were like, "Hey, Kaz, you know, how about this uh, track? Can you put this sample into your, you know, your electronics?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." And I had to like orchestrate it a certain way. And I think that's where coming from a fusion background and playing technically actually helped mm-hmm. me because my stickings were, I was playing them in such a way that it worked but mm-hmm. it was a, it, it seems complicated but for me i've sussed out ways to play sounds that i wouldn't have thought like if i if i played on a pad and then i put a trigger on a tom or mm-hmm. if i put a trigger on a uh you know on the rim and not on the head and programming stuff like that it was fun to do because i could actually do it in a pop gig rather than my own stuff absolutely and, and sounding like the record and man we had fun like it was yeah it, was, it, it yeah. was a it was a really good sound i felt like at that particular time it was what was needed for her mm. overall i think we did i think from a drummer perspective there was definitely there was quite a lot of electronics but it was a mixture of electronic and live but just quickly like what's your pro how do you feel about um hybrid drumming in particular and using electronics and acoustic kit and whatever do you have a preference and you know what, what's your vibe with that well yeah i mean hybrid hybrid is 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 a very important thing to have in in pop anyway mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. more so it's been used more than anything and you know i've i've 
you know, fun fact with, with um, the modules and, you know, everyone's using SPDSX nowadays mm -hmm. or the DTX multi 12. Mm -hmm. But now, you know, I've, I've now that I have a, a, you know, being one of the, the international uh, product specialists and artists for Roland, I helped develop one of their trigger modules called the TM six pro. That's right. You told me about that. That's right. So, so you yeah. actually were a part of developing that, yeah. um, that product, which a lot of people use. So how did that, how did yeah. that come about? So that came about, um, it, I think it was like three, four years ago. Um, mm -hmm. and a lot of people would see that I was using SPDSX, but literally maxing it out to its full capability. And mm -hmm. I felt like they needed to improve it a bit more like the next thing to make where you could, you know, we, we always went through it where like, Kaz, can you pitch the sample up? Can you do this? Can you add reverb on there by itself? Can you do this or change the transients? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> can't do it. <laughs> well, yeah, you know? because I think from my yeah. point of view, it was always like my workflow and my, the way I see sound and putting things together. I just always think about what you can do in a studio. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What you could do. So, so the fact that yeah. certain things you couldn't do on a machine, it's like, ah, oh. Oh, yeah, damn. but yeah. then we did it on on the TM6 Pro, and it actually won an award. We, you know, we won award uh, an award for the best innovation of uh, electronic module. So basically, that. oh, that's yeah. amazing, man! Congratulations yeah. on that. So, 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 basically, you would you already had a relationship with Roland, um, yeah. and you were using SPDX, and I've known Roland are really, really good at reaching out to musicians and people yes. in general about and finding out what they want and what they need. And you stroke mm -hmm. up a relationship with them um, yeah. with regards to helping develop that product. Yeah. And, and it started actually with Roland was at the birth time was a year before I was with, with Jesse Ware. Right. And um, there's a guy called Jules, uh, Jules Stewart, and he is now, he's been promoted like three times since that. Now he's the global strategic uh, manager. So he's in charge of global strategy and marketing. And he's um, seen me from being that, you know, like that kid that, mm -hmm. in, and he, from, from a no one to like, well, we got to get this guy with Roland because he can really change it because the tracks you know the music was one thing but also knowing that i could play electronics as well and do that and I, I guess because you had the drumless track thing going as well yeah. and, and the clinician aspect yeah. of what you were doing also which is exactly fantastic. and then and it went to doing art it led to being an you know research and development being rock being part of the r d team now and and then we did the tm6 pro and that actually helped being a hybrid drummer for any working drummer where you could change, you know, the sounds, you can have your own samples and also being a hybrid drummer in general is more than just hitting a pad mm -hmm. because a lot of, a lot of people that I've seen, you know, would just come up and, and, and play a pad sample, like get the SPDSX and just play the sounds that are in there. Mm. And that's not how, and that doesn't make you a hybrid drummer. It just makes you play, you're playing an electronic pad. Mm. Hybrid is when you're, blending the high, uh, acoustic and electronic together. Absolutely. absolutely. So you're, you're starting correctly. to still, correctly. yeah, correctly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it means, you know, there's more discipline involved where mm -hmm. you can play ghost notes 
but not in you have to be strict and the thing is it's like you know that i started understanding during the the jesse thing using the hybrid setup i was setting up sensitivities and thresholds so i'm able to still have ghost notes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and still have the record sound being on the two and four and also just making sure that i had like you know when we did kind of sometimes maybe oh that was my favorite you know oh man i love that tune. i still watch it through the itunes festival that was and, a great gig that was we're gonna <laughs> talk about that in a second but that yeah. was but that, that's the thing like that that was super hybrid actually when watching that a lot of people came back to me especially roland they were like shit we need to do more stuff with this guy mm-hmm. and that's where it happened during that moment i got flown into japan during the end of one of the legs of the tour with uh, jesse mm-hmm. and then i had to fly to japan uh, like the following day mm-hmm. <laughs> like and it was amazing because they wanted to understand my concept of hybrid drumming and that led to understanding with you know how important record sounds are because then you're not re- being replaced by a drum machine but giving a human feel with the acoustic drums that you're playing so where you whether you do a kick trigger or electronic kick trigger and you know i think when you came when you started seeing my setup you started seeing all this new stuff mm-hmm. which i was using you like oh Wow. Okay. And, and then that, um, we tried like the offset pedal thing with the, with mm-hmm, the KD one hundred and forty. that doesn't work, mm-hmm. you know, cause you, you felt the lag between it. And then I used the KT 10, which Definitely was that. Did. <laughs> and that cha- yeah. And you're like, Hey, it doesn't work. And, but, but the, the thing is, is, is finding something that you have to look beyond aesthetics sometimes. Yes. yes. And I think it's important to have something that is used the right tool for the right job. And if you're using things for visuals, what happens is it, 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 it doesn't compromise your playing mm-hmm. and your, your playing, it becomes more difficult. And yes, and I, I always change setups the, the way that the songs, the, the way that the art, the, the style of music is supposed to be personified. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I remember um, we spent a lot of time creating a setup for that that really made sense for Jessie's music because she didn't. It didn't need to be overly complicated. She didn't yeah. like a whole lot of shedding and fills and this and that or no. whatever. So, and everybody knows I'm not the massive. I'm not a massive Tom fan anyway. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you, really you don't to, mind like, floor Tom. You don't mind. <laughs> yeah, floor yeah, tom. yeah, yeah. But all this fucking eight ten twelve, like, yo. <laughs> but anyway, that's a, that's yeah. a whole other subject. But like. Yeah. But I remember that. But it's really interesting for me, again, as somebody as a non-drummer and as somebody that was learning MDN along the way, you mm. know, I can't remember, you know, I only discovered along the way that like how important different drum setups were to the music yeah. and to what's playing. When I started figuring that out, I was like, well, shit, if I knew that, I would have fucking been changing on every fucking gig. Like I would I would have <laughs> insisted on people like really, really changing their setups depending because... Yeah. You know, but I, I remember us really going in on that. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a good time. And I think it, what I really like about what you've just shared is it's just, again, a lot of this stuff I didn't know, but I love the fact that because my head was always in the laptop or in the arrangement or in trying to figure out 75 million things at one time. But I love the fact that whilst you were still doing these things, you had other side things going on. You had your kind of rolling situation. You were kind of building something there. You were working on, you were doing the building relationships, but building products and, but actually doing it 
not just on a kind of transitory way, but you were that same kid taking the fucking snare drum out to the yeah. fucking street and busking and actually making something happen. And that is actually the difference. You know what I mean? It's not just one yeah. thing to make a phone call and get a free piece of gear. It's actually about yeah. cultivating a relationship that is yeah. mutually beneficial between yourself and the team you're working with, you know? Absolutely. I mean, that's the best thing that you could, I mean, I, I had to learn, like, whilst doing that job, I knew by still being a session musician for a great project at that time and touring, mm -hmm. it wasn't going to, I, I, it's, that's the thing that I felt was going to put me on a, most people say, oh, you're going to be on pause now because you're committing to this artist. Mm -hmm. Well, no, because you're, you're doing a, you're doing, I don't know, a nine hour day with that artist. And when you're on tour, you're doing a one and a half hour show mm -hmm. and a sound check, everything before that or in between, you've got the space to do stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like that's important to, to make sure that you always have your mind open to different baskets, not saying that one thing will fall through. It's just actually broadening your knowledge because that's what makes you more hireable. Like well, yeah, you want to hire someone with a bigger skill set like if you got someone saying hey you know i mean you probably know like if you call someone and go do you understand electronics but you would probably go with someone who would understand electronics to a maybe higher degree or some point well, that you know what it is it's like dog like i used to say to motherfuckers all the time it's like no <laughs> real talk it's like you 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 have to be an asset Right. Yeah. If, if, if you, yeah. you you have to be an asset and like I remember some of the clicky people, I'm not going to say anything, but I remember some of the clicky people. Oh, like, why you get cares on this? Why, why are you fucking with cares? I'd be like, yo, you don't understand. Like, because everybody has their own views about who's this or that or whatever. And they have all these yeah. different kind of opinions of different musicians. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, yo, for me, has an asset. Right. <laughs> because he turns <laughs> up, he knows his music. He knows what he's doing. He'll have his gear there. The shit will work. He'll have a fucking backup. He'll be there on time. He'll play the shit well. If you need him to do some extra, he'll do it. These are all positive things, and that's what you need to bring to the table. You need to be mm. an asset for people, and it's like it's your total knowledge. It's your skill set. It's all of that is a part of what you bring. So, like, I, when people are turning up and they don't have shit and they don't know how to use shit oh. and they're late, you know what I'm saying? And they they couldn't That's learn it. And, and then it's like, oh, can you stay a bit late? And they're like, oh, oh yeah, the thing is, though, I got to run to this. And it's like, you know, you don't be trying to hear all that sometimes. You know uh, what I mean? Man. So it's like... It, it's, it's counterproductive. It, it, it doesn't, yeah. you know, you really, and I think that that's what you're saying is good advice. Just like, just don't, don't flake. Like don't this, just, it, don't, don't fucking flake, mate. Don't be a cornflake. But the, 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 the way that it works is I learned that just being on time because there was a big opportunity for me that you gave me and you trusted me. I'd, I don't want to let you down by coming five minutes late. And then that five minutes, spreads through because i've learned that even now five mm. minutes can feel like five hours of someone's time oh hell that, yeah yeah and then and, and and actually just knowing your shit coming in and you're saving way more time because i love doing that stuff like i love doing programming and i love i love like coming into people's sets uh, like rehearsals and and i'll just come in and because the other day i remember doing a project for someone in um like a few 
like last year and I came into a rehearsal and I just set up someone's electronics for them because they mm-hmm. just, but they're like, Oh my God, you, you Kaz Rodriguez. I was like, yeah. He goes, what, why are you doing? I was like, well, I'm just, I'm doing this because label want to pay me, but I'm, I love doing this stuff. They called me to set up your shit for you. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I mean, because somebody needs to know what the fuck they're doing, but, yeah, yeah. but, they, but the end of the day is so important. Like, you don't even need to read the fucking manual. That's like, here's my shit. Like for, for, for you guys hold, like listen to this, you don't need to read the manual, just fucking physically touch the buttons to discover new shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, You're like, yeah, yeah. Oh, you could do this. Oh my God. You could do that. Well, yeah. And this thing that I think that like in this day and age, I, I just, there's very, there's not really, an excuse for not knowing anything really, because there's so much like, I just know that when I used to need to know something, when I was coming up, I had to fucking go get a book. I had to fucking Damn read right. about the shit. I had to buy a piece of gear. I had to do like, it's like, I now you can just go on YouTube and you can like almost yeah. anything you want to learn. You can kind of learn within 15 minutes. Like particularly if you're talking about simple things, like how to use a particular product. So it's kind of like, there's not really any, any excuses, but, um, you know, it's yeah. still, but, but I think it's it's interesting. But different, you know. To be fair, some people have that um, are naturally that way inclined, and other people mm-hmm. aren't, and that's okay too. Yeah. You know, everybody that's doesn't okay. have to be like that. But it's still, it's just important to, you know. I think the 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 takeaway for me is just make sure that you're being an asset to the gigs yeah. that you're kind of getting involved in, and and, and just you're showing up as somebody that's actually helpful to the people yeah. that you're working with. But um, absolutely. But like, yeah, just I want to move on from that project. But mm. I just I remember there was a particular time where at that project ended and you weren't doing it anymore. They let you go. Or I think that Jesse wanted to yeah. change drummers for whatever reason. I can't remember what happened at the time because we were both got, confused. Yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I think that you guys went to Europe and everything came back. And it's just like they decided they make they want to make a change. And I kind of like I think sometimes we yeah, it was something I I spoke with Jesse about. I remember at the time, and you know she'd made her decision, which was fine. And it was is a little bit irritating for me, just in the sense that like you know I felt everything was kind of working well. But what what I do know is that um, a lot of the time on gigs, um, and this is something that people don't understand, it's like it's it's the artists they you know they they have what they it's it's up to them it's not always up to the md if the artist decides they want to go a different way or they want to try something else sometimes it's just like they just want to try something different and it's not even anything personal and that's um and that's okay too but what i wanted to talk to you about is like how did that feel sort of coming out of that was it you know how did that kind of how how did that feel for you it was it was tough you know i i felt um you know, when I got the phone call, it was such a, I thought it was a joke. And it wasn't, from, <laughs> you know, not, and it wasn't for me, by the way. I'm just, no, no. <laughs> I, know, no, it was, no, I know it wasn't, I know it wasn't from you, yeah, yeah, but yeah. when, but when, when, <laughs> but when I, when I, no, but on reels though, like when I got the, when I got the call, usually, you know, we'll, we used to prank each other on phone calls, like you and I, like we used right. to joke around like, oh yeah. And then you're like, no, I'm just fucking with you guys. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, oh yeah. fuck. Cause I was quite gullible then. And then, um. <laughs> But then, but after that whole experience, I was like, wow, man, I feel really shit. Like, Mm, mm, I didn't, mm. there's no actual reason Mitch was feeling, you know, the keyboard player, amazing fucking keys player. Mm, Um, mm. 
and he was like i don't even know what the hell happened yeah and i and and everybody started calling me and i just felt like oh, i know, i think i know why and i but then i was spending weeks yet months dwelling on a situation that doesn't even matter anymore because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. she made a decision you know based on a good or a bad but it was funny because i was going to get the call back because they needed that you know, a visa situation didn't happen for so under somebody else, and they mm. wanted to see if I could just do the rest of the tour. And I, I actually originally asked that in the first mm-hmm. place, but mm-hmm. but but there was so much po- politics that I was putting in myself, and I was like, you know what, like I'm done. Yeah. I actually don't want to do pop anymore because, yeah. like, and and I and and I didn't want to do it ever again. It's not like I don't want to do it ever again. Mm-hmm. I still wanted to do it, but. I just didn't want to do that sort of project because I understood that there is so much difficulty in a for a project that was touring but mm-hmm. wasn't financially s- stable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean, like I mean, like to to have a career just yeah. playing for one artist. I was like, I had to really say to myself, do I want to be just saying this is my life forever? And especially when you kind of like, as I say, you're providing a service, but you kind of don't have any control in lots of ways no. you don't have like a contract with anybody or whatever like on any given no. day somebody no. can come up and say to you oh, do you know what like what you did but we kind of want to do something else so it's like yeah um, and it's, well, it's, it's, I, did, I did that yeah <laughs> that's yeah. it but <laughs> yeah but, but that's but did that sort of like i would imagine did that sort of spur you on did that make you think even more so about what you wanted to do with your own music and your own career yeah, I mean, I I actually worked blood, sweat, and tears after that on my career, like just doing my tracks even more in depth, and then it it pushed from there doing drum clinics and then drum festivals, and then I started doing drum tours, which tended tend tended to pay out like what I made in a year of a Jesse Ware tour in in a week. Wow! So I, wow. I was like, okay, this is people valuing what I'm doing and being the track guy and and then it just moved on from there and then I started to really make you know a living out of it by just being me and right. I just enjoyed doing that and then at the same time you called me for another option because you were like oh there's an artist called Sinead Harnett oh yeah and then I right. did her mm-hmm. yeah and I, I was playing with her and then you know I kind of was like the last man standing in that band right and then I just I just left I just I I just, you know, I left again, it's just the same kind of re- rotating situation where then I realized that my, my career started f- like blooming right there. So like, I just did my thing and I did that for the following time. And I really learned that it doesn't mean that I don't want to do pop anymore. Mm-hmm. I just know that I can be in power to myself and be my boss and actually be I want to be in a project where I'm valued, like you said, as an asset Mm -hmm. that the artist values me. And that's where many years later, like Josh Groban, like gave me my value. Like he valued me. Like he, 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 like two years ago, two and a half years ago, he would say he, him saying, I value you. I want to pay for it. So I'll whatever, whatever cost it is, I'm, I've got you. I'm doing it like that already means more than what another person has like the previous artists. Yeah. They don't, it's a different 
way of working. Every business has a different way of working. That's right. That's right. Well, it's, it's, it's all it's, different companies. It's like yeah, McDonald's. You like pizza? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want? You like pizza? You like pizza? Pizza Hut make it a different way from Papa John's. There's yeah. this, this whole, and that's this, the same way that I did it with with, with John uh, with Josh. And uh, I think pizza's on my mind, bro. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But the, I, I ended up getting the, that privilege where you get these flights, the amazing flights paid for, great accommodation. You have your own drum tech, like your own allocated drum tech. And no, he doesn't do anybody else, just you. And, you know, you get you know, 100 people in production and we're playing arenas every day and you're, you know, you're, it's it's a it's an amazing feeling, but also the fact that the artist, like at Soundcheck, says, "Oh, Kaz, I saw your new album's coming out. That's so great! Like, oh, it's wicked. Oh, mm. I really love that song. Oh, Kaz, like I saw that. Um, oh yeah, I saw that you you know you made made some bread the other day, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> or like, you know, or like just just random stuff like, oh, you know, how's life or how's family, and and it's genuine. And we have dinners with the guy. Like he he takes us out for dinner and we just talk like as a band, like we're not, we're not session musicians in that, in that, in that uh, band, which is great because basically every musician in that band has, has a, has a reputation for something like, right, right. For, for example, like Tarek Okoni, the, the guitarist, he's played with, you know, he's MD'd and played with like Christina Aguilera. He's done mm-hmm. Dolly Parton. He's done Stevie Wonder. He's done Lionel Richie. It, the list goes on like right. Shaka Khan. Right. Like, right. Man. He, and same with Mark. And these guys are, these guys are like twice my age, bro. And I'm right. like, right. I'm like the youth in the group. And, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're heavyweights. But, but I think that like, I think what's really interesting is that, you know, you took, um, you, you took for lack of a better term, you took a knock on the chin, but rather yeah. than kind of like wallowing in it, you decided yeah. to, put time you already had started this business you already started yeah. this project but you took you put that energy into making more music making more yeah. records and building up your sort of like your career as a clinician and as a, yeah. a and as a composer and as somebody that's releasing music and doing all these things and you mm-hmm. did that to such an extent that then what happened is then people outside of that world started noticing who you were and what you were doing and then started selecting you for different gigs based on that basis. And and again, if yeah. people if, if people don't know who Josh Groban is, he is absolutely huge American artist, um, tours around the world, um, just absolutely massive. Um, how did it feel for you as well, like touring America and you're working in a different, you're actually in a different scene there. You know, it's, it's a different world yeah. than what have been happening in the UK. How does it feel to be working with that size of artists in a completely different market? Oh, it's, it's amazing, bro. I mean, it, the thing is, it's it took me. I was like the lost, you know, the abandoned cat that tries to adjust. <laughs> the reason why, I, the reason why, the reason why I say cat because we just got a new cat here. So, it's oh in, right, in a, right, right, right. flat, but <laughs> he's been he's been adapting. But it's like when you're in a situation where you're so used to like that session world where people say, you know, Kaz, you need to do this and you need to bring your your stuff here by yourself and all this where now you have the luxury of somebody doing it for you mm-hmm. and and playing in america it was I, i've always loved playing in america and you know now doing actual arena tours like you know 
probably hit every bloody state now <laughs> like wow, wow. It's, it's 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 amazing to to be you know when we play we did madison square gardens and did a dvd and then you're mm-hmm. like oh damn i'm on the dvd and then it played on cinemas across the world and then then you go you know from there to red rocks and then staples center to like forum in la and and actually at the same time whilst i had that that to have a 01 visa which is like crazy for me because they to, to get that it's like almost a myth nowadays for certain absolutely certain, for just a musician so you know when i had that i thought it was the right time to have an 01 because of my name in the fusion or the drum world and and it worked out and you know again just touring every day with josh is always a godsend because it's like friends on a on a gig rather than oh this is my boss which is the fact he is my boss but at the same time he's we you know he's 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 a friend a really good friend and he makes our job so much easier because we don't have this separation i think it's i think it's great too i think that again i think that you know it's it's great to be able to show your versatility because josh's music is a bit more song-based um you know he's an amazing singer it's not heavily drum heavy from what i've heard you know what i mean it's oh, not no. it's not as and i guess it's must be a total sometimes different. yeah but I, I but i guess as well like to be able to you know do your sort of like a thousand mile an hour fusion kind of clinic <laughs> one day and then yeah. be able to do that music that shows a lot of oh, range yeah. and versatility as a musician which must be really oh, interesting and exciting to play yeah and it's, it's it's a surreal moment and you know this year which obviously now the times have, are difficult for this year but we had a Radio City residency, and we mm-hmm. only did one of the the four shows that we had coming this this um, year, mm-hmm. and it was amazing because it's like he's always like trying to make sure the band are shining mm-hmm. with him, mm-hmm. and and that's such an amazing feeling because he wants us to look as sharp as him mm-hmm. because he wants us to to be part of his his vision and and it makes him want to play like he interacts so much and he's a drummer he plays drums like wow, mad. I know that. okay we did we did british summertime festival with um you know celine dion and it was like steve stevie wonder and all that and with um when we came to london during the tour uh straight after red rocks and it was it was amazing like he was like kaz i was thinking maybe i should just place a, a drum solo during one of the songs i'm like yeah fuck it <laughs> so he so he just did it in front of eighty thousand people I'm like yeah wow. Wow. It's, it's it's just wow. it's just it's chill you know it's not and the the thing is he's got such a back catalogue of songs and being versatile is so important in that band mm-hmm. that i learned to play a lot of singer songwriter songs now where mm-hmm. i've it's another world for me but i'm still using hybrid mm-hmm. and it's and and it's masked like you don't see it but all my drums have triggers attached to them, so I don't have to physically use pads. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, because he still wants a visual look that it looks like a a rock kind of you know one up two down right, big right, drum right. Kick, like twenty four inch kick, and he's just and he's just like yeah, I want this sound, and I'm like oh, and my MD's like well, we don't want it to look like a futuristic, you know. F- massive yeah. you know set up a spaceship <laughs> yeah exactly so i just put triggers on there with my tm6 pro and i just play the rims of the of the drums for whenever songs come up 
Yeah, and yeah, the sounds yeah. come from there. And when I play the head of it, it doesn't make the sound. So I'm actually like being a chameleon, where people are like, "Oh, how are you getting that sound? It's coming from the drums and the trigger." And and that's that's adapting, and that and it's such an amazing thing to do with Josh because I get to do all spectrums of genres. And right, and when right, it, right. and and then you come back into you know learning songs as well. We have to learn songs now way quicker than what we used to we have mm -hmm. to learn them like he will send us a song like 12 hours before and or we've just done a show and we're on the tour bus and like all right we're going to work on this song and do this song tomorrow which nobody's touched on wow we just gotta play it do you <laughs> know what i mean and get all the electronics in and yeah and, and actually it helps because i'm learning how yeah. to, now i know that i've i'm prepared so when i do pop gigs if i do pop gigs here yeah, and it, it will I know that I can work in that pressure, you know. Yeah, sure, and, and, sure. And that's helped. But being with 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 in America is such a amazing feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's like I feel as if like what you've done um, and how you've kind of you know um, managed your career is um, is fantastic. It's a great example for different people of um, how to you know. I always like to say there's more than one way to skin a cat, and it's all about yeah. finding the way that kind of works for you, you know? Um, so like all these amazing things that you've done, composition, five albums, you know, Josh Groban doing clinics, developing products, you know what I mean? So many amazing things. Um, what would you um, say is left for you? What would you like to do next? You know, do you have any plans or, or thoughts or ambitions? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe to chill the fuck out a bit more. But, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, I think I think still to to work with, you know, I'm I'm getting a lot into the recording game now. So mm -hmm. you know, I'm doing a lot of albums now as well. Mm -hmm. um, so recording in my studio uh, over here where we're talking right now, I have a, a digital studio where I have electronic drums where I can also do uh, recordings, but for you know, just to have like electronic sounds and layering and, and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, but yeah, just, you know, being able to, to be in the recording world and still to compose, I still, you know, have done things for like computer games. I've composed for computer games and I'm still doing that. And that's a mm -hmm. big world for me as well. And film scoring is kind of a goal that I want to do more later on in the year, mm -hmm. uh, later on in, in life. And, and still tour because I, I still I still love playing live. That's that's sure. what I, that 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 will never die because it's just one of those things where it's it's what made me who I am. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. performing when I was busking. I yeah, always yeah, when I, yeah. when, you know when I play on 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 an in an arena. Uh -huh. I always think of myself as that kid uh -huh, busking uh -huh. in front of two, three, or five people, and and knowing that. I'm having the time of my life. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and that that I will never go. It will never go. And I always, I've always felt that same nervousness I felt when I was that kid. But it's what has given me this special feeling of being who I am. You know, amazing man, amazing. And so, what about? I mean, obviously, five drumless albums. Um, is yeah. there any thought of doing ones like with drums, like actually doing your own just solo album? Yeah. So basically I'm, I'm going to be doing 
this fifth album as a drumless release right now mm-hmm. and it i'm releasing a book that i'm signing with uh with publishing um a book called uh, by hudson music mm-hmm. it's a very big uh, like uh, educational platform mm-hmm. but actually will actually have a drum transcription and also me playing on a dvd so i'm doing like a dvd me playing all the songs from the album recording it recording it in a in a big studio with filming and everything so everything's like more in depth this time with this fifth album and yeah and then once that's done i'm going straight to album six <laughs> yeah that's what, but i'm just okay that's that's fantastic too but i was just thinking more like in the vein of do you have any ambition of actually recording your own music and releasing it almost look as a solo artist as like a billy carbonwood or something like that and actually like yeah and you know and fucking doing your own tours is that something you'd be yeah i mean i have I, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm definitely interested in doing that and i have had plans for that already mm-hmm. i've had a band lined up already where i have you know mike mark stevens on is going to be on keys mm-hmm. and i've got mel davis from shaka khan being my bass player and mm-hmm. i've got Russellin, uh, uh, another piano piano player. He was on Stanley Clark album. He's a amazing pianist. So yeah, having a solo album, I'm going to do and t- and tour it. Just just do live stuff. I think it's really important to to make sure now that people have seen me play live on on the internet and mm-hmm. on YouTube and stuff like that. I feel like it's really nice to know that they have had the urge to see me play live they're all like oh you're playing live so more than just drum festivals now i feel Mm -hmm. like playing actual venues just for myself and i think that's going to be the next plan yeah because i guess you know i mean you you're already you've been writing the music you're writing stuff that people are into and you're doing things so it would seem like something interesting you know maybe people can come see you in arena one of these days just fucking you and your song you know what i'm saying it's <laughs> well, like so. you know, it start small though you come to come to the come you know i'm thinking maybe ronnie scott's because yeah. uh, next year I'll probably do ronnie scott's and you know you can come you gotta come down you i know you always support you saw me last time in a tiny ass mm-hmm. jazz club yeah yeah yeah. You know, <laughs> but, shit, shit. but no man well, yeah. listen, that, that's fantastic man i just think um mm-hmm. again i think that um you know, there's some great things that you've done, some great things that you're doing. And I think it's super inspirational for people of all types, um, all ages. Um, and um, yeah, just congratulations on everything you're doing. And I look forward to seeing what other things you have coming up in the future, man. So um, where, Thanks, can, yeah, where can people kind of connect with you? What's the best way for people to kind of keep track of what you're doing and what's happening and what's coming out and when and where and all that? Yeah, sure. Just um, you just need to follow my Instagram. Really, is the only place that I'm always mm-hmm. at for my movements. It's uh, just at Kaz Drums, or mm-hmm. just type my name Kaz Rodriguez, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then and, and just follow my my movements, and that's where everything is. And yeah, my music's on all on iTunes, so you just type my name, and you'll see it there. And hopefully, you enjoy it, and just make it your thing, you know, and again support the movement like it's great that kojo's doing this right now as well and people need to 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 do more of this and what better way to do it than you know kojo being the guy <laughs> oh, please, you know, yeah, please. do now nah, man like it you know, you've been talking so much about me wanting to know about me but 
you know, the, the great thing about Kojo is 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 the fact that he has stemmed a lot of influence from when I started in the business to understand how certain things work, even whilst he was trying to 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 grow in that that position. And yeah, yeah, he's, I think he's I think he's great. And you know, like I said, I will always want to work with him. Never, never. Even crack jokes, even if we see the head twitches again, <laughs> those head twitches in rehearsals, I'll be like, man, I'll do that shit for free just because I can see this guy's head twitching going, oh, you know, I'm fucking with you, Kaz, you do all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, there'll be something for sure, man. But, you know, it's just great. Listen. I think that it's important that, um, I think, I, I, you know, I think it's important that we all talk and share about, you know, our journeys and the things that we've kind of done and are doing um, just to kind of like, you know, give a little bit of, um, just share the information, you know, to whoever might so want it. Do you know what I mean? Um, and whoever yeah. might find it useful, you know, because you never know. Um, and, but again, it's um, it, when you have great stories and so many great stories, I'm finding so much about people that I've known. I mean, I've known you fucking over 13 years and I had no idea that she was fucking busking as a teenager yeah. playing a fucking snare drum. So um, I don't yeah. know. It's going to be hard to unsee that now. I'm going to imagine you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, bro. Alcohol. That's yeah, what. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, man. It's been amazing talking to you, man. And um, let's catch up. You too, bro. Time, all right. Absolutely, man. Pleasure. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that double feature. I definitely found out a lot of things that I didn't know. And I hope it is of value to you, too. Please feel free to like, share, comment, and give feedback. It's all greatly appreciated. In the next episode, catch up with Brendan Greed. Brendan is currently the bass player and musical director for Sam Smith. He's also produced and written songs on Sam's most recent album. We caught up on the call recently and chopped it up. Hope you can check it out.